This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers, and it's fall. I don't know where you live um, exactly. I know that many of you live around the world, around the country, and groups of you gather in Wisconsin and Iowa and Texas, and thank you for keeping us informed of where you're doing and how you're listening to us, and when you subscribe, we get to know your name and your email, at least. We hope you'll do that and um, help us with our metrics and information from the backside of the computer, the backside of podcasting. We are talking this year about listening, um, listening for love and learning. And when we begin to listen well, we begin to listen well, we begin to hear from God in different ways. We begin to hear through His Word, through the Spirit's impression, through others that He uses to reveal something to us. Sometimes it's in a throwaway remark. Did you ever have a conversation with someone and they're talking about oranges and you're really stuck on apples and you think, I'll never get the apples right in my life. And they're talking about oranges, but whatever they say, it's like, oh, that's what I've been missing. That's what I needed to hear. So we're going to continue in this notion of listening for learning and love. And as we do that, we're going to stray off into topics that I think listening um, embraces and receives much more um, in its spirit than just because we're talking about how to listen and what are the mechanics of listening and what does God's Word say about listening. Some months ago, um, last spring I think it was, I did a YouTube on endurance. And it's still up and available. If you want to see my smiling face instead of hear my smiling voice, um, you can go on and find that. It was an abbreviation introduction to this concept of endurance and I've given much more thought to it since then, and I want to talk to you. Uh, maybe this will take two days, but I'm going to try to do it in one day. And I know for some of you are counting on 15 minutes and you're getting 25 these days. That's probably how it's going to be for a while. Endurance is an important part of our life, and the scriptures are full of places. We've listed on the front of our website a series of passages that talk about endurance. You may have been around during the pandemic and listening to me and remember that I started talking about endurance because people were saying to me, what is it the American public needs? What do families need? What do women's need, women need to get through this pandemic? And I remember the first time someone asked me, I thought, I don't know what they need. I mean, there's so many things we thought we needed. But then this notion kept growing in me. And the notion was endurance. What we need was endurance. And then I poked around, what does endurance really mean? And how do we get endurance? And always endurance is connected to suffering. The pandemic was pretty suffering, wasn't it? And so I'm no rocket scientist here, but as I continue to pursue this concept of endurance and looking through the scripture, I, I've come up with a couple of points I'd like to talk to you about that have to do with endurance. Endurance requires a commitment. 
Endurance is not an app. And no pain, no gain. Suffering is essential. I know. Did you just groan? I remember when I first thought that is the point, I thought, no. You know, you're supposed to introduce subjects that people want to listen to. Who wants to listen to the fact that suffering is essential? But I think that's part of the problem. We, we think we can get out of it. We think that we will not be caused to suffer. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So the passage you'll find on the website, the one I want to read to you today as we begin, is found in Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, the first chapter, verses 5 and 6. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is in abundance through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Now, it's not a subject you open up a casual conversation with. Hi, how are you? My name is Donna. Do you have any suffering going on? It's it's just not how it happens. And typically, we tend, and I talked about this a few days ago in our shows on exhaustion and we're so exhausted we can't hear we don't we're so exhausted and we're so busy going on and on and on we don't even let someone help us which causes us to be more exhausted so if we have a hard time saying yes please help me help me carry this up the stairs help me do this i need your help if we can't say that to one another then how do we open a conversation that says i am suffering help me Talk to me about it. So I want to open these roadways a little bit to the notion that all of us suffer, that suffering is essential. I probably should have made that point number one, but I'm not. Well, in my 30s, I was a runner. Uh, I think if you are near my age, um, in your 30s, you were probably a runner too. Everybody was running in those days. It was the newest fad, and runners were everywhere. And I was training for my first race. Actually, I was training and building endurance, but I was so unsure about the endurance I had in running that I wanted to run the exact course. Did you hear me? I signed up to run a 10K, which is 6.2 miles. And then I said to my husband, I want to run the course first. He tried very calmly, a long-time runner. He ran 5 to 10 miles a day for decades. A long-time runner, he said, Honey, if you can run 3 miles, you can run 6.2 miles. Hmm. Show me, I said. I don't believe that. I just didn't believe it. And, but and then I wasn't satisfied with just running 6.2 miles. I wanted to run the 6.2 miles the course was going to be so I could run it exactly. The exact course. Commitments are not valued as they once were, and I wish I could fix that. And Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, is very clear to say, let your yes be yes and nothing else. Don't say yes and almost yes, or yes except for, or no, but ask me later, I may change my mind. He's very clear to tell us that your yes is yes and your no is no. You've probably heard me tell this story if you've been around any length of time, but it's still the most profound moment in my own personal life when I realized that some exits are just closed. 
I'm driving on a new highway in our city, and they're doing a lot of construction on it and building and new ramps. And there was often the sign that says closed, exit closed, but in small letters it said local traffic only. So as I get close to the exit, I'm thinking, oh, great, it's exit closed, but there'll be local traffic later. And I keep heading and heading and heading to the exit until I got to the exit and the exit was closed. I mean, seriously closed, completely closed, not local traffic. It was completely closed. And as I drove away from that, I can still remember thinking, are there some places in my life, Lord, that I've absolutely closed my exits? Hmm. What were the big things that came to my mind? What are the things that I've said yes to, I made a commitment to, that I'm not going to go back on? I am my daughter's mother. I will always be her mother, and I will always love her. I will love her with a deep and profound love no matter what happens. I will always love her. And tomorrow, or the next time we're together, going to talk about that fatherly love that David had for Absalom. I'm married to David William Otto, and I'm not leaving that for sure. Now, that doesn't mean there weren't times when I thought I should leave that. David and I are very, very different folks. Our culture doesn't say to us, come and stay. It says, come and stay if you like it. And if you don't like it, it's okay. You can leave it. But I had four or five things that I recognized in my own personal life that I had closed the exit to, and nothing, nothing could take that away from me. Jesus calls us to stay In John 17, the great chapter that talks about if you abide in me and I abide in you, then we will abide in him forever and ever. Abide, abide, abide. Abide is just another word for stay. Our culture does not help you build your endurance. And I want to help you build your endurance. Our culture lets us off the hook. Ever buy a credit card? Ever sign up for a credit card? Ever read the fine print on a credit card? Ever decide you're not going to pay that credit card? Ever decide you're just not going to pay your bills? Ever decide the only way out is a bankruptcy way out? All of those things happen to us, and sometimes they're required. But the statistics in the last 25 years of the number of people who filed for bankruptcy and who went on to live very substantial lives, it was a way of clearing their debt. They signed on the line. They said they would do it, and then they didn't do it. I lived in an environment as I grew up where my trust lens had been severely cracked, crushed, broken through. And I think for me, this notion of saying yes and committing my yes to yes and no to no has a lot to do with my past history. So I'm asking you to think about the commitments you've made. Are you fulfilling those commitments? Are you saying yes to what you've already said yes to by following through? And then, are there some places that you're thinking that you'd like to exit? Is marriage one of them? I often say, David and I were destined to not make it. German, stuffy, prim, proper, brilliant man, lawyer, more degrees behind his name than I have letters in my entire name. And he married me, a loosey-goosey Italian woman, who I can assure you he wanted to get away from, and I wanted to get away from him at various times in our marriage. But we were people who had decided no matter how hard it got, we were going to work through it and not have an exit. Decades later, I look back and I thought, I can see where staying matters, staying to God, 
staying to David, staying for me, staying for our family, staying for our friends, staying for the community of people that we serve and have lived in, staying for our congregation, staying matters, and making a commitment will help you understand what endurance looks like, and it will grow your endurance. So be a woman of your word and increase your endurance and grow in the kind of things that cause you to endure, which are always suffering. I wish I could think of a time that I just wanted to knock David Otto's head off, and I can't think of one at the spur of my head, but I assure you there have been many of them. Um, And I think now those times helped my endurance, helped me understand I did feel like I was suffering. He suffered at my hands and I suffered at his hands. But we stayed together and worked these things out. And I assure you, um, decades later, that endurance was more valuable. Endurance is not an app. (laughs) Isn't that a funny word, app? I counted the apps on my telephone, 103. I have 103 apps on my phone. Yes, I counted each one of them. And apps are easily downloaded, aren't they? They're relatively informal. Oh, here, let me download that for you. Bing, 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 the little blue goes around in a circle, and suddenly you have a new app for Bed Bath & Beyond or Venmo or whatever. Games that your children, grandchildren used to play and don't play anymore. App. The letters, A-P-P, are starters. Like, you want to go for an appetizer, an appy? Come over and have appies with us, my friend often says. Appetizers, it's a starter. An application, it's where you begin. It's a starter. There is no endurance app. I checked. I thought, well, maybe there's... Now there are exercise apps that would increase your endurance, but there's no app that you say... Could you give me an endurance app, and then I'm just going to push it and turn it on, watch it or listen to it, and suddenly I'm going to have endurance. There's no app. There's no game. It's not mobile. It's not coming onto your telephone. Eugene Peterson, who, as you know, um, is one of my heroes of the faith, and one of his most important works, uh, which he wrote in the late 80s, is A Long Obedience in the same direction. And in the title of that book, the subtitle says, For a Nation That's in Distraction, in the 80s. A long obedience in the same direction. Elizabeth Elliot used to say that anything that was an instant obedience was disobedience. And Laud Montgomery, in her very famous Anne of Green Gables classic, writes, the promises I make to myself are the most important promises I make. I want to encourage you to make some of those promises to yourself. While I know it's not an app, I know that our culture wants to encourage us to treat endurance like it was an app. We gain endurance by continual effort, by letting your yes be yes, and your no be no, and you will increase in endurance. And my last point is that suffering is essential. Now, I'm not a jock. I know I started this show by talking about I was a runner. I I did run, and I did play tennis. 
Uh, but I am not a jock. There's nothing about me that's jock. Um, not even jock clothes. My husband, I think, was always a bit disappointed that I wasn't a jock. Now, I've done a lot of strenuous 55-mile backpack trips, canyons high and low, Grand Yosemite, Tetons. I, I've hacked and backpacked, and I, I've done those things. But I'm not a jock. I don't look forward to golf once a week or tennis twice a week. I, I don't. I like to watch tennis. So that phrase, no pain, no gain, always bugged me. And as I was preparing this, I thought, where did that come from? Who started no pain, no gain? What's the result of that? And I found out something very, I think, interesting, at least it was to me. There is truth in this phase, in this phrase. There is truth that if there isn't any pain, there won't be any gain. So you go to the gym and work out, and your stomach muscles, which have not been worked out for a while, start to ache and groan, and the next morning they're worse. What actually happens is there's a production of lactic acid, which plays a role in creating more blood flow to your muscle so that you gain more strength and endurance for the next time. So when you feel the pain... When you feel the pain, that's suffering. When you feel that pain, what you know is that you're gaining strength. And I thought, okay, well, whoever said no pain, no gain, certainly understood. These activities are true, running, swimming, lifting weights. And when you begin to use a new set of muscles, your muscles get stronger, and pretty soon you don't feel pain. Now, I think suffering is a lot like that, and I'm not saying that you don't feel the pain. I, I went to the cemetery this week, and I go to the cemetery a few times a year to visit someone who I love dearly. And I thought, oh, this many years later, this many years later, it's still a pain for me. It's still a sadness. It's still a loss. Except that now, this many years later, I have different set of perspectives on the life, on the life lost, on my own life, on his life and how it affected me. So when you begin to set a new set of muscles, you get stronger. It's not that you don't feel the pain anymore. It's that the pain provides a new season and a new set of muscles. Well, the same physical conclusion is the same with a muscle like your heart when it's broken or your tear ducts when they're crying and you think they will never stop crying. Or your stomach hurts so hard, you think, I cannot breathe. I cannot breathe. Well, there's an old folklore. I may have mentioned it. I've been thinking about it the last four or five months, about the rabbi whose students came to him and said, Rabbi, why are you always saying you put it on your heart? Put it on your heart. Put it on your heart. Why don't you say put it in your heart? And the rabbi says, well, you put it on your heart until your heart breaks. And then when your heart breaks, it falls into your heart. And I think that's what we do when we build relationships. We build relationships. And when we do that, we set ourselves up for loss. Like death. Like separation. Like moving. I have four or five dear treasured friends who have, at one time or another, we lived in the same communities, and now we live in different communities. It's harder to keep those relationships, but it never stops us from keeping them. I have a friend I've known since the second grade, 
And Susan lives in Wisconsin and Florida, and I live in Arizona and wherever I am in the summer. And yet, for all these many years, decades now, we have maintained our friendship. There has been suffering in the fact that we're not as close together as we once were. But there is gain in that we have gone through that suffering and discovered that the separation that brings suffering is essential to building endurance to maintain our relationships. Well, the next time we're together, I'm going to tell you a story that is found in the scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 16, 17, and 18. 2 Samuel 16, 17, and 18. And if you have a moment to look at it, I would encourage you to do that. It's been very poignant to me, and I want to share it with you. And it has to do with suffering and forgiveness. And I think as we end this time together and talking about building endurance, endurance requires commitment, endurance is not an app, and suffering is essential to gain endurance. We'll talk about David and Absalom. I'm Donna Otto, and I'm glad to be Donna Otto. I'm glad to be with you in these podcasts. I hope you'll invite a friend to listen as we try to encourage you in this year of September 2021 through May 2022. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of recognizing your suffering.